Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. I'm going to start with a, a reading from the book we're using this month. We're using Ernest Holmes' book, The Art of Life. Last week we talked all about God. Well, uh, this week I want to talk all about you. So uh, let's, let's start with that. The one who learns how to control his thinking, who learns how to control his destiny. We are bound by our thought world. Nothing can save us but ourselves. The individual who will learn how to consciously change his thinking processes can remold his destiny. Now, when I first read that, I got kind of bogged down in the idea of destiny. And uh, uh, for me, I think destiny represented some... uh, odd notion that maybe somewhere in a golden book was written exactly what I was supposed to be or what I was supposed to do. And if only I, if only I could figure it out, if only I meditated long enough or something, uh, someone would clue me in as to what I was supposed to become or supposed to do. Well, I finally wised up and just looked it up in the dictionary. So let me, uh, let me, so, so we'll put aside the suspense and I'll just read you what the real meaning of destiny is. It is a noun and it simply means that events will necessarily happen to a particular person or thing in the future. Now, notice it doesn't say that this is ordained by some being or St. Peter or some outside agency. In fact, if you think about what we believe, they're just talking about cause and effect, right? So let me read it again. The events that will necessarily happen to a particular person or thing in the future, that's destiny. And today we're going to talk about what that thing is, why things turn out the way that they do. So first of all, let me introduce to you the idea of what we call the divine creative process. For those of you that have had, I think, nearly any of the classes here, you know we spend a day talking about the divine creative process. And one thing that's even interesting is it sort of turned into our our official symbol. If you look up in the wall in a couple different places, you'll you'll see the circle with the three sections and the V in it. Um, It's called the teaching symbol. Uh, But what it is, of course, is an illustration of the divine creative process. And it illustrates Ernest Holmes' concept that our thoughts become things. So the top part of the chart uh, represents our thoughts, our beliefs, those things that we hold to be true for ourselves, that which we can accept. The middle part is the mechanism by which our thoughts do become things. And then the bottom part of the chart, the bottom third, represents the things. So our thoughts get funneled down through that sweet little V thing and become our experience of life. So now I'm sure some of you were just dying to know why that symbol exists and where it came from, and now you know. It's the divine creative process. Now, you might think, because we talked last week about God's use of the divine creative process, you might think that God is something that can create in a powerful way. We talked about the Big Bang. We talked about the true creation of heaven and earth. But, but you'll also remember we mentioned that God didn't stop creating. It wasn't something that happened once and only once. That divine creative process, of course, still here, and we can use it. 
So today I want to talk about how we can harness the divine creative process in the same way that God did. Now, we may not get a big bang on the scale of the universe, but I, I feel pretty sure that with some intentionality around using the divine creative process, we can fundamentally change our lives. All right, so how do we harness this thing? Well, first of all, I have good news and I have bad news, and it's the same news. The news is that you use the divine creative process every day and every minute of every day, whether you're aware of it or not. So in a way, harnessing the divine creative process is a little bit like the idea of, well, today I'm going to start breathing. Because most of us, uh, unless something really catastrophic has gone wrong, are breathing. You already know how to use it. You already are using it. So let's talk about why our life isn't filled with joy 100% of the time. Let's talk about why our lives aren't filled with the prosperity, the love, the joy, the peace that we, we so desire. Because if we're using this thing all the time, I certainly know that I'm not on purpose ending up with some of my bad days, right? Do we all have bad days once in a while? All right, all right, you're with me then. Well, part of it is the intentionality with which we use things. And I want to use a couple examples, if you're willing, and I'm going to snatch them right out of my family life. And my family members who are not here today, I'm sure if they listen to the podcast, I will hear more about this. But it's such a, it's such a lovely example that I want to start there. So many of you know that my partner, Daniel, is a ballroom dance instructor, actually one of the kind of top-rated ones in the city. And if you think about it, that's at the bottom of the chart. That's the physical outcome that is Daniel. He's a dancer. He's a great teacher, and he loves it. So that's his experience of the world. But what's back of that, right? He didn't just wake up one morning, and he was a marvelous ballroom dance instructor, right? At some point, and in fact, I drilled him about this. He does know I'm talking about him today. Uh, it really started when he was a teenager, wanting to become more involved in martial arts. It was his desire, very purposeful, that he wanted to learn how to defend himself, and he also wanted to learn to have actual uh, on-purpose muscle control of his body. And so he studied for many years and progressed up in, uh, in martial arts. And it wasn't until high school that he realized that although this was, uh, this was wonderful and it was part of who he was, uh, that uh, the idea of doing it in a, in a social way and the idea of doing it in another form, and that's when he fell into, if you will, uh, ballroom dancing. But, but, I say fall into, his intentions immediately swung into that area. And some uh, 5,000 hours of lessons and training later, right? And in fact, the latest uh, sports studies show, uh, well, and it's not just sports, but any physical activity that we wish to get good at, all of the science shows 5,000 hours you'll be making some progress. Now, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put the wet blanket on anyone, but if you really want to, you know, become really good at a thing, 
It is a devotion of your time, your interest, your intentionality, your ability to get up in the morning and say, no, this is my path. I'm walking on my path. I don't care if my fingers are... Uh, uh, our, our friend Ken, Ken from the band, I'm learning banjo, and, or excuse me, guitar. And I got to tell you, these two fingers are hurting me more than I like to talk about, right? But, but it means we don't care. It means that we have a vision of where we want to go, it means that we know that on the path there will be some stumble and some commitment to, to time and we move forward anyway. So you see how Daniel's thoughts became things. His experience of the world based on his commitment to where he wanted to go, his ideation of, yes, I can do this, this is for me, there may be some stumbling points, but I can do this, I absolutely can learn how to do this, it's what I want for myself, I'm on purpose, and he was also willing to take the steps, in his case, literally dance steps, necessary to move forward into that dream. Okay, so let me use another family member, uh, Daniel's mom. So many of you know, Daniel's mom passed away uh, about five years ago now, and, uh, and it was not what I would call a, a pleasant end. I mean, she'd been ill for some time, and so that's another thing. We can look back on that. And, and I would have to tell you, for at least uh, the 15 years that I knew her, she was unhappy, she was pissed off, she had uh, a lot of resentments against an ex-husband, and she felt that she was not serving any purpose on the planet. Now, I, I hate telling you this story. It's not that anyone would wake up in the morning and think in the way Daniel thought, I'm going to take dance lessons and I'm going to be good someday. No one would wake up in the morning and think, I'm going to be so pissed off that it's going to manifest as a disease in my body. But the tricky thing about the divine creative process is that it is always working. I would like to say that it only worked on Sundays. I, I would bet that if it only worked on Sundays, this world could be a beautiful place because so many of us, I know, leave the, the center here on Sunday on top of the world with only good thoughts and in that, that mood for light and love and joy and participating fully. And then Monday morning comes away, along and don't we wish, don't we just wish that the divine creative process had stopped working? Because, right, many of us are a little resentful around our jobs. Many of us feel the pressures and stress of working. Uh, sometimes family issues come into place. It's like there's our spiritual life, and then there's real life. But do you see the fundamental flaw here? The divine creative process doesn't know the difference. God is backing you up in your thoughts and beliefs and thinking 100% of the time. So if you are stressed out and, and wishing that the world wasn't so filled with uh, lack and hopelessness and trouble, my fear is you're actually bringing more trouble, more hardship, right? By, by holding on to those beliefs that life is hard, life will be hard. By, by synthesizing in your own mind all the things that could go... In fact, let me stop and tell you uh, another bit of bad news, and then I swear we'll move on to some good news. Guess what the most po powerful form of prayer is? Oh, gosh, some of you... Were you at the first service? Who's cheating here? Who's cheating? It's true, it's worry. 
the most powerful form of prayer is worry. Now let me take this apart for just a second for maybe the three of you that don't already know this. <laughs> so what is a prayer? It's an intention that is held with some emotional power in our lives. Doesn't that describe worry? So when you're up late at night replaying the, the something negative that happened in the day and it goes over and over in your head, it's like you keep planting seeds of discontent and trouble in that divine creative process. In fact, you can think of the divine creative process almost as though you were a gardener. You're planting seeds in the top of it and out comes some kind of a plant at the bottom. And if you plant tomato seeds, you're going to get a tomato. If you plant marigold seeds, you're going to get a marigold. And I'm here to tell you, if you plant seeds of turmoil and distrust of, uh, uh, of trouble in your life, those are the seeds you're planting and the plants, the results, the, the life that's going to be reflected back to you is going to be in equal measure. Okay, that was the bad news. Let's switch gears for a minute, okay? This is as close as I get to fire and brimstone, right? <laughs> so how can we start changing this idea from the better? How can we start planting more proactively the seeds that we want? If we want love and light, if we want joy, if we want success, if we want abundance, if we want beauty, if we want those kinds of things, what do I got to do? Like, Larry, tell me, what do I got to do? Well, it is simple, and it requires some patience. It's simple in that it is simply our thoughts become things. It is that divine creative process. Where it is not so easy, though, think back to Daniel putting in his 5,000 hours. Please raise your hand if you went to thinking school. <laughs> well, I got one right today. <laughs> yeah, the trouble is they, thought, they sent us to school to learn all kinds of darn things. We, we had 1,000 hours or 5,000 hours of English. We, we had a lot of time out on the sports field. We learned about math right? We chalked up our learning. We put in our hours to get really good at being and doing a whole lot of things. And we were never taught, I was never taught, how I can focus my thoughts with some intentionality. It's like when it came to that, well, they'll do as best they can, I guess. Well, you can see, look around the world, we're doing as best we can, but it's not very good right now. So how do we begin to improve upon this? First of all, it's intentionality. You actually have to know what you're thinking. Now, now pause for a moment on this one, right? How many of us, a certain part of the day, are on automatic pilot? You better all be raising your hands. <laughs> of course. So often we're just on automatic pilot. So often we don't even know what thoughts are going on in our head. And my, my fear and my guess is that a lot of the negative outcomes we see in the world is because in our on automatic pilot, of course, we're worried. We're thinking about things that we hope don't happen. We're wondering what will happen, but not always in a positive way. We're replaying some negative thing that happened yesterday or five years ago, or in the case of my mother-in-law, 37 years ago when she got her divorce, right? 
All those things cropping up in our head, we're not aware of them. First of all, and here's your homework for this week. Here's your homework for this week. Let us begin being more aware of what's going on in our heads. And I can give you some pointers for this. First of all, most of us have a sense, most of us, not all, but most of us have a sense of what's going on in our bodies. We'll feel a tenseness in our chest. We'll, we'll have a sense of, of holding our hands tight. We'll feel a, a tension in our shoulders. Have you, ever, like, have you ever been at work and just noticed your shoulders <laughs> are like a permanent part of your ear structure, right? So when you notice those things, that's your clue to ask yourself, what am I thinking about? What's going on in my head? If you have a sinking feeling in the bottom of your stomach, if you're stressed out, if you feel a tightness in your chest, ask yourself, what's going on in my head right now? Most often, it will point to something you're worried about. It will perhaps even interrupt some squirrel cage thinking. Does everybody know what squirrel cage thinking is when you have a worry or a thought just going around and around in your head? Often that's what produces the the stress hormones. Often that's what causes our body to begin taking uh, itself literally apart in order to boost adrenaline and some of the flight and fight mechanisms. When we're worried, when we're stressed out, we're really doing our bodies disservice. And of course, it's because of our thinking. Ultimately, that's what leads to a lot of disease. So first of all, we find out what we're thinking. We recognize when I have one of those negative feelings in my body, it's probably related to some negative thinking. Or you may run across it in some other way. You may just notice, oh my gosh, Why am I thinking about that again? Or why am I worried about that? When you notice that, stop. (laughs) Now, I say that with all simplicity, and I I realize occasionally it may not be so simple. If you've got the squirrel cage going, sometimes it's a big thing to shut it off. But I want to suggest to you that you can. And that's the place to start investing into our 5,000 hours of getting better at learning how to think. First of all, above all, we need to interrupt the thinking we have. Now, it might be that you just shout out loud, stop. That's the one. When I was first learning how to uh, begin affecting my own thinking, uh, I think that my partner at the time thought I was crazy because I'd be off in the bedroom and suddenly he'd hear, stop. (laughs) It would be me turning the squirrel cage off, right? And it actually took some emotion on my part. It actually took me saying, I'm not going to keep thinking about this. It has no positive service in the world. It's only bringing me down and it's not helpful. And then I learned, in addition to the stop, the replace method. Like, and if nothing else, just replace your time, right? So maybe you're not to the stage where you can begin replacing negative thinking with positive thinking. But what I do know is you could turn on the radio. You could put on an Eddie Watkins song. You could do something that would shift your mood into another place, right? And you all know what you can do. This isn't rocket science. You you know you can put on, you can open a book. You can do some reading. So if nothing else, stop and replace. Now ideally, after you've put in maybe a couple thousand hours, you're actually going to be able to start replacing thoughts, not just replacing the time, but you'll begin doing what I call positive worry. Now you might say, well, Larry, what's positive worry? This is an interesting thing. 
I like to think of it as, well, what if everything goes right? Now, negative worry is what? What happens if everything goes wrong? But have you ever done positive worry? What happens if it all went exactly the way I would want? What happens if I go to the mailbox and it's just full of checks (laughs) instead of bills? What happens, right? What happens if my boss calls me into her office and has to talk about a raise, right? Now why, why, knowing the infinite possibilities of the universe, do we choose to go the other way? Do you see what I'm saying? Let us begin positively worrying. Let us begin replacing some of the negative trains of thought with the optimism, with the hope, with the joy that we know are actually apt to bring it to us. Let us begin putting in that top of the science of mind symbol, the the thoughts and ideas and beliefs, they're going to have the good outcomes we want that will bring success at work, that will bring harmony in our homes, that will bring beauty to our lives. We have that exact same power, the exact same power with which sometimes we find ourselves in a horrible day is what can create a beautiful day. It's entirely to our making. Now, has anyone ever woken up in the morning and just knew it was going to be a crummy day? Yeah. And you have that, right? Yes, uh, last week we talked about one of the greatest gifts from God is free will. You do have the right to have an outright horrible day. And I would like to see that you do it on purpose. I I would like, no, bear with me a minute. I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy. So we're all going to have a bad day now and then anyway. But what I will tell you is they're more frequent if we're on autopilot. When we're on autopilot, when we're in unintentionally living our lives, we, we open up the newspaper, we, we look at the news feed on our phone, and it's just filled with the worst trash imaginable. I wish more of it was fake news, to be honest. The, the real news is just as scary, isn't it? And so if we do nothing, if we're on autopilot, we fall right into that pattern that the entire human race has of, oh my, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I would rather, if we're going to fall into that pattern, at least we knew we were doing it. And that's what I mean by purposefully having a bad day. If you get up in the morning and you feel that twinge of, oh gosh, I had to just pull the blanket back over my head. I had one of those this last week. I'll tell you about it some other time. But, uh, but I want you to actually think about that for a moment. Wait a minute, Larry, you can make that choice. You actually can make the choice to have a rotten day. And I have some great ideas, right? I'll, I'll listen to the news. I'll, uh, I'll think about all the things that are going wrong in my neighborhood, I'll, right? I'll, I'll look at that property tax bill one more time. I know what can make me miserable, right? At least that would be my choice. At least that would be me using the divine creative process in an intentional way that I know I can turn on and turn off. And if I have a couple bad days like that, I bet I would even make a different choice. I bet I would say, well, yeah, I could pull the blanket over my head. 
I could just think about all the miserable and trivial weirdnesses of my life today and just call it a bad day. But actually, probably about 90% of my life is going really well. So why would I do that? And then maybe I'll swing my legs out of bed and, and put on my socks and make a decent day of it. Also, on purpose. This was the longest homework assignment I've ever explained to you, and I, <laughs> I apologize for that. But I, but I hope you get that what I'm asking you is to take charge. The divine creative process always working whether we're awake, whether we're asleep, whether we're conscious, whether we're unconscious, whether we're on purpose doing things or whether we're going with the flow, you have the choice. You have the choice. Now, there may be days, again, we haven't put in our 5,000 hours yet in thinking school. A lot of us, uh, when we get to be my age, it feels like we've put in our 5,000 hours, but maybe not. I haven't got it down yet perfect either. And it's time to invest some more in myself, invest some more in wondering how I can change my thinking to the positive, wondering how I can sustain some of my goals for moving forward, right? I've got some plans. I'm walking the path towards fulfilling those plans. I'm putting a lot of intentionality in my life, and you can too. So I'm going to close today with another quote from the Art of Life in Ernest Holmes. He says, it is well known to the science of mind that we tend to become like that which we identify ourselves. If we identify ourselves with love, with light, with joy, and with peace, that will be our experience of the world. If someone identifies himself with failure, he becomes attracted to negative circumstances, people, etc., if he identifies himself with success, he becomes to be attracted to that which is successful, prosperous, and happy. This is the choice. This is the choice of our thinking. Always we are brought back to this fundamental truth that life is a mirror and that external happenings always correspond to our inner thoughts and our inner beliefs. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. We talked about it at great length last week. It is the, the be-all and the end-all. It is love itself. It is life itself. It, it created the big bang and it never stopped. Still creating that big bang, bang of life, of love, of joy, of peace, of happiness. And I know because it created everything, that means me, that my life is part of that creation, that the creativity of God is also within me, and that as I use the divine creative process, loading it up with thoughts of love, of peace, of happiness, of abundance, as, as I monitor my thinking and stop the negative and accentuate that which is good, that which I desire, my life improves. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this world. Each person has that capability. We're all using the divine creative process every day, all the time, and with intentionality, we can create a world that works for everyone. That with intentionality, our lives and the very life of the planet itself is uplifted. 
And so for this knowledge, I give thanks. For this, this certainty of the way things work, I give great thanks. I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.